This is Got Marketing, a podcast with ideas, strategies, and tactics to help small businesses create smarter marketing. I'm Mia Feilman, a professional marketer and the founder of Campaign Del Mar. And in this show, I chat with creatives and strategists about the different aspects of marketing, but without the fluff. Let's dive in. Hello, friends. Campaigns are no small undertaking and often represent the biggest concentrated investment in your marketing. So it's kind of important they work and are well-received. Brands hit the jackpot when their campaigns manage to generate a ton of free media. In today's episode, we are going to look at some examples of campaigns that generated free media and share how smaller brands can PR their campaigns. Joining me today is my PR mentor and publicist, Odette Barry. Odette is a digital marketing and public relations specialist based in Byron Bay. Odette teaches small business owners how to uncover their stories and be seen in all the right places through her nine-week Hack Your Own PR program. She's trained hundreds of small business owners, including me, teaching us the power of publicity to scale our businesses. Hi, matey. How are you? Pretty good. That's a really lovely intro that you've nailed there. Which I pulled straight off your website. (laughs) Well, uh, feeling very honoured to be here. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for joining me. So free media at any time is, of course, very welcome. (laughs) But free media during your campaign is better. Campaign periods are when brands experience their biggest sales uplifts and free media makes those peaks even higher. Campaigns are usually when brands are splashing out for paid media, but it's when you combine earned, owned and paid that there is a multiplier effect. Generating free media off the back of a marketing campaign is therefore desirable, but campaigns mostly tend to fly under the radar. And some generate a ton of free media, but not the kind that you would want. So what I really want to know from you first up is, is there such a thing as bad PR? Absolutely there is, yes. Uh, I think that there's, it's somewhat of an old wives tale in the PR landscape that all PR is good PR, but um, given PR is the the work of winning hearts and minds of people, I really do think that that's an incredibly irresponsible approach to just go with all PR is good PR because we know that, um, you know, negative press has long-lasting effects on our brands and on our bottom line. So I think that that sort of old mantra is very much not relevant today. Yeah. And all the press recently around, say, Harvey Norman Hmm. and their dealing of the job keeper or the job seeker, not entirely sure, and then how they were just rude to their customers on Twitter and then did the most grown-up thing they could possibly do, which is just shut down the Twitter account, I think has definitely had a negative effect on their brand value to the point where several people, myself included, we have now vowed that we will never shop at Harvey Norman again. Totally. And I'm also part of that camp. And it's really interesting how little people think of their customers 
and how people will feel and what impact that could have. You know, we're in an era where people are really woken up to shitty behaviour and they don't, they're not going to stand for brands that don't put their values forward um, in everything that they do. And we're kind of used to corporate entities behaving badly, but when it's so apparent and shoved in our faces, people will vote with their with their money they would just will make it really easy <laughs> to look elsewhere we work we live in an environment where we are exposed to so much choice that we don't have to put up with the bad behavior of brands out there absolutely spot on so in a minute we're going to discuss campaigns that generated free media But what are some of the typical reasons that campaigns go on to generate that media attention versus the ones that don't? Well, I guess this comes down to, you know, what we talk about when we talk about PR in general. So campaign or business or, you know, someone that's just trying to achieve coverage anyway, there's a couple of key things that we always talk about in the recipe for a winning media story. So generally timeliness is a really big part of the conversation. So a lot of the campaigns that do really well have a relevance to what's going on in society right now. So it might be um, seasonal, it might be pandemic related, it might be that, you know, an emerging trend in health consciousness or um, around a social movement. So campaigns that have that hook of timeliness is, is definitely something that really gets things across the line. And then often when we're pitching, particularly for TV and campaigns tend to have a lot of airtime in the visual realm, um, it's it's really trying to, to pull on the heartstrings. So things that are emotive, that make us feel something, genuinely, um, you know, make us shed a tear and I beg to um, say that absolutely nobody watched that Qantas fly away ad and didn't shed a tear even when I watched it back in like preparing for this interview I was like god damn it another little tear rolled down my cheek but it's you know it's that that um making people feel moved is really what gets um campaigns across the line and then doing something that's wildly out of the box and you know obviously this is something we'd love to do with all PR but it's not always relevant so when we have campaigns we have that opportunity to really think big think wild um, and do things that are a little bit unusual um, running through the preparations while looking at the bring Chris to Cowra (laughs) a great um, you know out of the box thinking And building a big Chris Hemsworth, um, of course, has both the coupling of a beautiful emotive story, um, out-of-the-box idea of something extremely large, and it's also got the celebrity affinity. And the celebrity affinity is one of the other things that really gets campaigns across the line. Yes, I completely agree with all of that. So a bit of controversy never goes astray speaking to cultural, societal or political issues such as, you know, the Me Too movement, um, that celebrity or influencer um, piece always tends to get a bit of airtime. Look, I think Qantas, no matter what their campaign was, would have made the media just because they're a mega brand. However, the recent uh, campaign 
um, the, what fly was away. it called? Fly Away. Um, that was so perfectly timed. It really read the room. Mm. And then I think the other thing that often secures great media coverage for brands is when two brands collaborate. Um, so, you know, if the star power of one of them on their own isn't enough, when they come together, that's often enough to get it over the line. And um, an example, a recent example is that Lady Gaga collaborated with Oreos, the the sandwich cookie, which was very out of the box to your point. And um, it's that really creative, non-obvious collaboration that the media were very, very happy to write about. Mm, a similar collaboration that comes to mind is that um, KFC and Crocs collab. It's like what? so absurd, so gross. <laughs> but, you know, they also had celebrity influencers like Flex Mammy, who was very current and trending at the time. So, you know, that was a kind of thing that was all over all of the lifestyle media channels. I don't get it. Yeah, you don't I mean, have to. I think we're outside of the um, target audience. <laughs> yes, I don't eat KFC and I would never be caught dead in Crocs. Slightly terrified to say that my 14-year-old son just received Crocs for his birthday from his friends on the weekend, so it made me feel very old. Yes, totally. Okay, so let's have a look at some recent campaigns that um, went on to generate a ton of earned media. And I think the most notable example has to be uh, Ocean Spray and the TikTok star Nathan Apodoka, who created a viral TikTok video. Um, he was on his skateboard and he was drinking a bottle of Ocean Spray cat cranberry juice while, and the music was Dreams from Fleetwood Mac. I'm sure all of the listeners have seen this. And this video went viral, but actually the media coverage around it was so impressive. Wouldn't you agree? Totally. Um, I think like one of the things that I, I really enjoyed about this one was, you know, obviously the celebrity response was delicious and just seeing how many people reenact it. And that's the beauty of duets on link on TikTok. And, you know, that's that technology that allows that space for things like it's built for things to go viral. But one of the things that I, you know, looking at that as a campaign across media and obviously I mean, the jury's out on whether that was intentional. I know we've talked about it at large and your uh, your response is definitely that if that was a brand-led campaign, they would have absolutely butchered it before it got to TikTok. Exactly. <laughs> but, um, you know, I, I th- and this is going to sound like a really poor description, but let me try and say this out loud and then we can dissect it. But I feel like there's the video itself that's the thing But then there's the stories that sit side to side of the thing. Um, And it's, you know, the beautiful thing with viral um, media campaigns that you sort of get the story about the thing, the story about the things that sit side to side of that, and that might be the impact of what the campaign was, the humans behind the story, and then there's, again, the response to the humans and the impact. So, We'll unpack that. But there's obviously the stories about um, Nathan himself and, you know, like the fact that his car broke down and then um, he was gifted a truck by um, by the cranberry juice. Sorry, my 
totally gone out of my brain. Ocean, Ocean spray. spray. Um, but then there's all of the stories about Fleetwood Mac and then how much that TikTok video has increased the Spotify downloads. And like there's, if you look in the news search for TikTok Ocean Spray video, there's stories about it that have been published within the last week. Like it's still being talked about because of this incredible viral impact. So I always think that like, you know, great campaigns and great viral things don't get fixated and obsessed on the message and the campaign itself being spoken about, but they're happy to, you know, bridge out beyond the thing itself um, to explore where the conversation goes naturally because it's a natural conversation that people are fascinated with. Anything that is cooked in a marketer's oven is going, <laughs> going to have limited bandwidth in how viral it can become if we don't um, give it some breathing space to, to be organic. Yeah, I think you nailed that actually. We have to allow that once we've launched our campaign and it is in the public domain, that it's going to take on a life of its own. And this is perhaps where the adage, there is no such thing as bad PR comes from because you have to relinquish some of that brand control and be okay with the fact that the story is not about Ocean Spray's latest line extension and what product and flavour, that it is about the fact that they gifted Nathan Apodoka a cherry red a cranberry red, of course, a pickup <laughs> truck, and um, that, you know, Mick Fleetwood's made a resurgence and his Spotify downloads, all of that is beneficial to Ocean Spray. And then, of course, stories emerged about the fact that Ocean Spray is actually run not by a conglomerate company like L'Oreal or Nestle or Unilever, but a cooperative of 300 cranberry growers. And then that became the story. Mm. And that's a great story to tell. Yeah, what I, totally. I, and I think one of the things in that is that like it's, you know, I was talking to a friend of mine who's a publicist recently and it, she was talking about working with a major um, global tech brand and how challenging it was when they pitched stories to the media because it was brand, 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 brand and there was no story in it. And this is the one thing that I really love about like smaller businesses that they have this great opportunity to be um, nimble and experimental and not tied up in like being obsessed about brand message and, you know, what a beautiful story for us to learn about the co-op. Like when would that have become global knowledge? <laughs> exactly. And you're so right about the agility of smaller brands, even a co-op of 300 farmers, because how they responded to the TikTok video is what generated all of that earned media for them. So here's the play-by-play. -play. First, the video on TikTok. Then the CEO of Ocean Spray did his own skateboard version, which got a bit of buzz, but not nothing too major, but it was written about. Then it came out that Nathan didn't have, he was skateboarding because he didn't have a car. And so that's when they quickly mobilized and gave him the pickup truck full of Ocean Spray. And that is the image that if you Google Nathan Apodoka TikTok, you will see him sitting in the back of the truck full of ocean spray then um 
they pulled Mick Fleet Mac out of retirement and um, he did a version on his skateboard with ocean spray. And so it was just. I believe he was in a wheelbarrow. Just to clarify. Oh, was it? Okay, thank you. Thank you. you. Uh, Having looked at the the behind-the-scenes video of that one, it is the most deliciously perfect lols. Yes, okay, great. Well, I will do that as soon as we stop recording because that sounds like something that would be up my alley. And so it's really that um, seizing the opportunity. I mean, I've worked for some major brands and we work on our campaigns 12 months in advance and our marketing plans are fairly set And so being able to just like jump when an opportunity like this comes up and make the most of the moment is probably not something that's within the remit of a lot of these global brands. Um, There's just too many approval processes and just wouldn't happen in time. But their ability to seize the moment is what generated them so much media coverage. Yeah, and I think that's something that we've talked about together from just a, you know, thought leadership PR perspective as well, right? Like it, as a, a professional service, you have lots of knowledge and expertise that you can share with the world. If you think of like, you know, the new media landscape, uh, we talk about newsjacking and that's you jumping quickly when you see a story that's relevant that you could comment on. Um, th- and that's when I like, that's what I love most about small businesses being able to put their story out there because you do have that nimbleness that those big corporate organisations just don't have the bandwidth to move with. Gut Marketing is brought to you by Campaign Del Mar, a marketing education platform for entrepreneurs. Master the fundamentals of marketing, nail your email marketing strategy, or join my signature program, Campaign Classroom, and learn how to create killer marketing campaigns. These are not the kind of online programs where you are left floundering, unsure how to put theory into practice, nor will these programs sit unfinished for months. You can expect accountability, a supportive community, and to walk away with practical, real-world marketing skills. Learn more at campaigndelmar.com. All right, what's next? Um, should we talk about Get Chris to Cowra? That was epic. It's, it's a pretty good one. I thoroughly enjoyed it. Okay, so do you want to take us through it? My, my blow by blow might not be quite as accurate as yours, but the uh, Cowra Tourism Organization commissioned a digital video production company to produce an ad um, for Cowra, uh, for the region, for um, people to visit coming out of lockdown with the pandemics. Um, And their concept was um, bring Chris to Cowra. So Chris Hemsworth being a a good bloke, top bloke, (laughs) according to them. Um, So they, you know, the video is a blow by blow of two people within the tourism office chatting and brainstorming on what, um, what they might do if they invited and got Chris Hemsworth to come to Cowra. So, uh, they talk about um, it's a key message bonanza, the video itself. It's beautiful just, you know, brainstorming the ideas of what they would see and talking through all of the benefits and beautiful places that he could visit. Um, and, you know, the the big call to action is that they're going to build a big Chris Hemsworth equivalent to the big banana or the big pineapple. Um, and... This video itself has been literally picked up 
on most major media networks across Australia, which was, <laughs> you know, probably not something I, I, I just can't imagine that they thought they were going to do as well as they actually did. And given um, the quality of the interview they did on today um, with Carl Stefanovic, I would imagine they definitely didn't think that they were going to do a lot of media <laughs> interviews because they were like two, um, Auss- you know, real Aussie um, country folk that really were not TV friendly at all. They had the mayor and the... Um, an amazing gentleman, I've forgotten the name of him, who had led the um, campaign concept. But, of course, Chris Hemsworth responded via social media and said that he absolutely would be out there. So for me, like, you know, when you think about what was the recipe for success here, it's, you know, obviously got the celebrity affinity, which helps to uh, get things across the line, Um, but it's also beautifully emotive. So Australians are so connected right now to the suffering within our regional communities, Um, and it was really down-to-earth, accessible. It didn't try and, um, you know, say that it was more than it was you know from the vid- the footage across the campaign you know the the meals within the pubs there was nothing special going on any on those plates in terms of like being the most exquisite meals it was just saying exactly what it was so I think that warm funny playful um tone just really hit the perfect mark but I think the timeliness of it as well in that people are just going to be coming out of um, lockdowns but also the timeliness in terms of the suffering that our regions have experienced with drought, flood and fire, um, it really pulled on the heartstrings of Chris Hemsworth as well as being a cause that he was willing to dedicate his energies to. Yes, so well said. So obviously those two people on Sunrise need to book some media training with you as the first step. (laughs) But that's also what I found great about this campaign was that they could have gotten professional actors but they didn't. It was authentic by definition. It was very clever copywriting actually. Mm -hmm. There was a lot of innuendo and double entendres and, you know, just very Aussie humour. But the acting was shitty. Like it was not good acting and that's what made it really real actually. And what I love about it, especially as a campaign marketer who thinks that small businesses should be running marketing campaigns, is that it didn't cost a bomb. Mm. And it's testament to the power of marketing campaigns that you can do it on a shoestring budget and then The fact that it has now been picked up by, as you said, so many news outlets. In fact, Karl Stefanovic has said that he's going to go to Cowra and film from there. The whole shout everyone a beer in the town. I I mean, crazy, and it just no. I I live. I'm going to lived in Australia most of my life, and I don't know where Cowra is. And everyone is now asking that question, both locally. Um, and Eight I, hours from Melbourne, it's three hours from Canberra. We've got the key messages from the video. Okay, yes. I was just going to say it's close to Canberra and I go to Canberra all the time and have never considered Cowra. But now a lot of people are saying, hey, I wouldn't mind going to Cowra. Um, I also think that they were very, very tactical about Chris Hemsworth. He is a good bloke and if there was anyone who was going to respond, it was him. And so that was actually quite brilliant. 
And he did, of course. And um, it also had, very well loved by the Australian media landscape. So, and every woman. <laughs> And also in my research for this interview, mm. I read many men's health articles about his diet and workout regime. <laughs> so thank you for taking me down that rabbit hole. Well, I bet that was the most enjoyable research you've done. <laughs> <laughs> so um, a really brilliant example of um, how a small business can create a campaign that generates just such a ton of free media. Yes. Uh, One thing that I would caveat that with by saying is that, you know, it it has to be a perfect storm to get that type of excellent response Um, and I wouldn't bank all um, all pitches to Chris Hemsworth as being a wild success. So Correct. Absolutely. No, that is a very important caveat, I think, that that is. Just ask Chris. He'll be fine. (laughs) I do, however, think that this campaign will be taught in universities as a case study of how it can be a perfect storm and how perfect it can be. You can plan. You can plan that. That's right. Yeah. Okay. So from regional New South Wales town of Cowra to Nike, the biggest athletics apparel brand in the world. I haven't done much research on this one. Is it right if we skip this one? Sure. No problem. Sorry. I have had a bit of a look at it, but I just feel like I don't have enough um, research to back it up. But Qantas or um, Burger King? Yeah, sure. Either one. Yeah, no problem. Okay. Um, So from regional city um, in Australia to major brand Qantas. The recent campaign was called Fly Away and it featured an original rendition of the Tones and I track Fly Away and um, it really pulled on the heartstrings and it made vaccinations relevant to their brand so that we could all go back to flying, which is I think a really nice way to bring in a um, societal and political issue without trying to shoehorn it or culture jacket. What are your thoughts on this one? Yeah, look, I think um, Qantas has got a very celebrated history in doing a great job of their uh, video campaigns. Um, I I think you're totally right. They totally normalised a conversation around vaccinations in a way that showed their position um, also but with like quite tactfully I thought like you know the line between the nurse and the traveler saying where are you headed was just like such a normal conversation that typically a traveler might go to their GP to get their um, you know travel vaccinations or anti-malaria medication or whatever it is and it was just like the modern version today's version of that you know everything being so hyper now and I think um, there were so many lines within that um, that video uh, that campaign that really just tugged on the heartstrings of right right now so it really um, you know that when the um, farmer was on the phone is probably a major 
choke up when he just said, it's okay, I'm going to see you soon. Like how many times have we used that line in the last two years? I feel like that's a, a conversation that we've all had. And then the where are you headed with the nurse and then, you know, the clear for takeoff is a line that we haven't heard for so long. Um, and I, I felt like the, the copywriting for this was so tight as well in those iconic terms of phrase that we have heard and haven't heard um, that are relevant to today. Yes. I think that there's a real problem at the moment with brands thinking that they hold more importance in the lives of customers than they actually do. And we saw this play out spectacularly with Gillette and the Best A Man Can Be campaign where um, they tried to enter a very important conversation that they had no place in, really. Men don't think about Gillette and their Mac 3 razors in the way that Gillette may think that they do. They are not an important brand and we need to stop confusing apathy for loyalty. You know, oh, well, I'm at the shops. I'll just quickly grab some Mac 3. That's apathetic. That's not brand love. And um, I feel that, you know, that has backfired very badly for some camp- uh, for some brands who have tried to culture jack or shoehorn, um, you know, trending conversations and put themselves in the conversation when they really don't belong. However, Qantas absolutely belongs in this conversation. They are how we are going to go and see our loved ones overseas. They are literally our national airline. And so it just felt relevant to them. And I think that that's the key thing that brands and brand custodians need to take away is that really assess whether you belong in this conversation, whether it's natural or authentic. And if not, stay away. There are more important voices that need to be heard around these big issues rather than our shaving brand. Mm, But so this is where I think we have a point of um, disagreement because Mm. um, as much as I do appreciate that you need to be in the right place to have a conversation, you, you need to be informed. I I know I've said this a million times, but I I do feel like at the beginning of change, things feel tokenistic. So sometimes people are going to get it wrong and it doesn't quite hit the mark, but people are, you know, getting involved in conversations that do need to be had. And so sometimes it's not quite perfect, but it is starting to normalize conversations that might have previously been kept in the shadows. Mm, I definitely see your point. I've had this chat too with Melissa Packham around, you know, is there a place to agitate your audiences in order to promote positive change? And I guess my argument to that is that I believe in a marketplace of ideas and I really don't like when brands try to take the moral high ground and it's like, this is bad, this is you know, not, this is good. And it's us versus them. And you can see this in the political landscape. This has not been positive. It just creates this huge divide between us and them. So what I really like is when brands can reach across the aisle and um, listen and be open to new ideas and understand that this, these conversations should not be sledgehammers. They should be 
you know, gently, gently and take time. And unfortunately, the Gillette campaign, the best of men can be, was a real sledgehammer. Mm, Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I do agree with that. Okay, so Qantas Flyway was everywhere, Sky News, Ad News, Smart Company. It was, I think they were always going to get press, as I mentioned earlier, but um, really tapping into exactly how we were feeling right now um, was the secret to that campaign success. Totally. And I, I think that's the success to all great PR campaign or not is looking at what's relevant to right right now. So that's being aware of how people are feeling within the collective and understanding what global events are happening so that you can time your conversation so that it is meaningful to what people are doing right now. I've never seen a campaign so heavily shared on social media as that Qantas ad. Mm, Absolutely textbook. All right, lucky last, Burger King Moldy Whopper. So I've spent about 10 years working in fast-moving consumer goods and particularly food, and it would never occur to anyone to photograph one of their products decaying slowly over time and literally being moldy. It was the most unappetizing thing you've ever seen. But that's exactly what they did was a slow motion decaying of a whopper, um, termed the moldy whopper. And um, this campaign generated a ton of media. It also won a Can Can Lion Award, which is, I guess, our equivalent of the Oscars, um, you know, uh, advertising, marketing, you know, global recognition for being a fully excellent campaign, and it was. Um, why do you think this particular campaign was so successful? Uh, because it was talk had the talkability to it, you know. And when we think about, um, you know, creating impact um, and creating conversations, this is where it's at. Um, I think it was a terrible campaign. I understand why it won. I think it won for advertisers and the bro marketing crowd. I don't think it won in the hearts and minds of consumers because I think people who care about preservatives already didn't eat their food and people that don't care about preservatives won't think about the ad. Like they won't even look at it. So I feel like it missed the mark in terms of uh, connecting with the people that matter. Like it just um, continued to turn people off um, because I don't think anyone really is thinking the rest of their food, preservatives or not, is a quality dish that they want in their um, ecosystem. <laughs> um, so I just, I feel like it was an ad that was designed to, you know, like get media coverage and that's about it. So I have a different perspective on that. I think this was a switching campaign, um, encouraging people to switch from McDonald's to Hungry Jack's or Burger King um, because McDonald's does use preservatives. And so this was within the category of fast food users, so not you and me who are outside the category unless I have a big night and then bring (laughs) on the chicken nuggets. road trip. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So it was really about... um, 
yeah, in, encouraging people to consider a, an alternative to McDonald's, who is the market leader and Burger King is the challenger brand in this situation. So it actually, I think it was quite successful from that standpoint. And then um, Grilled have done something similar with KFC where they've launched a HFC, a healthy fried chicken, um, in direct competition to KFC. And um, they are, you know, encouraging people to take a healthier, not healthy, but healthier alternative to KFC by by transitioning to grilled. So I think it's quite tactical actually. Oh, and I appreciate that. I just don't know how effective it would be at switching anyone because I just I think that anyone that's eating that food is not looking at it as a this is something that I'm eating knowing that it's going to have some health benefits. That that's just not part of the equation at all. So you know whether they're going, oh, should I have McDonald's or should I have Burger King? Um, or oh, I'll have Burger King because it's healthier. I just don't imagine that's something that anyone in that category is thinking about. But again, like you said, that's not me. So I'm not inside their heads. Mm, I definitely take your point about the fact that there are definitely some campaigns that win awards, that get great media coverage, but does it actually move the bottom line? Does it actually change behavior and change market share and earn them new customers or retain existing customers? Or is it just creativity that wins advertising agencies prizes? And I know that there are so many campaigns that we hold up as like, oh, that was so clever and so creative, but it actually didn't do anything in terms of bottom line stuff yes and one thing that I love about you Mia is your love affair with ads and when we do our morning yoga session you will stop to watch the ad and (laughs) comment on what a great ad it is whilst everyone else will be hitting skip to try and get through it so we're all a little bit different in our love affair with ads absolutely all right Look, my love of campaigns is real. It runs deep. I can't change it. It does. It does. <laughs> it's authentic. <laughs> okay, so um, I would love for you to share some implications for small business. How can smaller brands um, engineer situations or circumstances where they can incorporate earned media and specifically PR as part of um, their campaign strategy? I guess like the main thing that I would be saying is making sure that you do your research to understand um, what the conversations are outside of your campaign. Because yes, there's places that will run a story about a campaign itself. But if we think about who our end consumer is, they're not a marketer who wants to learn about a campaign. They're normally an end consumer of that product who by and large, probably doesn't really care at all about the, you know, back end of our campaign itself. So we really need to think about the supporting conversations that we can seed out around the time of our campaigns. So mapping out a broad ecosystem of conversations that make sense to people um, and also baking that into the campaign from the beginning. So one thing that I think is a step that is very commonly overlooked is ideating your campaign with a journalist at an outlet where you might pitch it to to road test whether it has any news relevance. Now this is something that 
as a publicist, that's a luxury that I have that I can throw down an idea with a journalist and say, what do you think? But don't underestimate like your ability to ask a quick question to a journalist and fire off a question and say, if we were doing X, Y, Z, would that be something you might be interested in talking about? And just throwing it out there because that news relevance is potentially going to give you millions of eyeballs of reach. Um, It's a step that I wouldn't um, skip over if you're going to invest a couple of thousand dollars in building a campaign or, you know, $10,000 in producing um, a video. So um, really think about what is newsworthy about your campaign is incredibly important and planning that in the beginning, planning those sideways conversations um, to think about what's the human interest aspect associated with your campaign and then thinking about your timing. So how far ahead do you need to be priming your relationships with media to ensure that there's going to be some emails open (laughs) as a first instant but some receptivity to the stories we're pitching and then of course mapping out what embargoed conversations and exclusives you might put on the table so is there any particular outlets that are more relevant to this conversation and you know is their audience the one that you want then embargoing those conversations nice and early pitching it out and offering the exclusives to those top outlets and then um, mapping out your secondary outlets for after a story has been released. Super, such great advice is that consider the PR strategy in the planning phase so that your campaign is newsworthy and make sure you bake that into the campaign strategy and really think about that. And then also um, there is a misconception around the fact that campaign is one message. That's not true. A campaign is one theme, but there are many messages around that theme. So exactly like you said, while, you know, the journalist may not share your advertising, like they didn't share my guru's video, they were very happy to write about the bigger issue of gurus and online bro marketers and all of that, which did the exact same result. I still got the media coverage and I still got, you know, great media coverage around that, even though they didn't play the video. Yeah. And those sideways conversations are really probably one of the most valuable things you'll do um, because it allows you to go and speak to outlets about what they're interested in rather than just what you're interested in talking about. Exactly. Well, Odette, I think that everyone should do your program. I loved it. (laughs) Um, I did not believe that it was possible for me to be published in over 40 media outlets in (laughs) the space of about 18 months, including, you know, social media, Examiner and Mumbrella and The Guardian. And that is all testament to Hack Your Own PR. So I think I've pro- I've sold it pretty well, but feel free to <laughs> add anything else that you'd like to add. Oh, I think that you're such, you know, such a testament to what the program offers, um, you know, for small businesses, for entrepreneurs that don't have that, you know, $5,000 a month to spend on having a publicist work on their behalf. You know, it's a nine-week program that introduces you to the likes of the editor of Smart Company, the editor of Sydney Morning Herald's business section, to the project, to Channel 7. So it's, it's teaching you how to have those conversations and how to get those stories across the line. 
but it's also those nice warm introductions to allow you to start building those opportunities for yourself. So I'm grateful that you came on the journey with me and have been such a bright, shiny star. (laughs) (laughs) Such a teacher's pet. Well, it has been an absolute pleasure chatting with you and thank you so, so much for your time. Thanks for having me. Thank you. You listened right up until the end. So why not press that subscribe button and keep the good marketing rolling? You can also connect with me, Mia Feilman, on Instagram or LinkedIn, and feel free to send me a message. I'm super friendly.